0: to BAMSI's Humanity First Podcast. I am Chris Ryan, Peter Evers, the CEO and President of BAMSI in just a moment. During the course of this pandemic, our essential workers here in this organization, throughout the community, the region, and really the country and the world, have been unheralded for a lot of the work that they have done. They have gotten up and answered the bell and been there when we've needed them the most. And this organization is... No different. Individuals had to adapt in our houses. Individuals had to adapt to different schedules, different requirements, and have done so in ways that have been innovative and compassionate. And, you know, I know that I could not be prouder of the way that this organization has handled things. It's made my association here um, something that's been very, very special. And I know that Peter feels the exact same way. And as a part of our second phase of our I Am Essential campaign, uh, we are looking at the work of some of the clinicians who have answered the bell during these challenging times, and in particular, Ruth Mentor is going to join us in just a little bit here on the show. But I wanted to start off with that. A sincere thank you to the essential workers of this organization, this community, this region, this state, and the country, because we would not be where we are um, in this pandemic without those who have answered the bell, not just, you know, for a week or for a month, but now for almost a year, day after day after day after day, and with that, I'm going to turn things over to Peter.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Humanity First podcast. Today we have a very special guest, and um, I, I want to thank Ruth Mentor for agreeing to come and talk to us. Ruth, as many of you may well know, is a star of stage and screen of late. Uh, a, a, um, the latest uh, in, individual to be um, uh, highlighted and celebrated in our I Am Essential campaign. And if anybody was watching CNN uh, during the inauguration on uh, Wednesday night, uh, Ruth was, uh, Ruth's face popped up on the uh, I Am Essential. Uh, uh, so welcome, Ruth to the, to the podcast. Um, also, I'm really interested, Ruth, in, in talking about that experience, of course, and a little bit about the I Am Essential campaign, but I wanna get into a little bit what uh, the work that you're doing um, at the Home Base Program um, and uh, Family First, because I believe that those programs, uh, one of which I think is sponsored by DMH, and the other one mm-hmm. uh, is through the, through the uh, Rosie D, original Rosie D uh, funding. I'm just really interested in that because really over the last ten years we've shifted towards a much more community-based, inclusive, um, you know, self-guided uh, treatment philosophy for family and kids. And and hearing from you, I think around what that actually looks like, you know, at the coal face where the actual real work is uh, is going on, I think is going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, so so welcome. So that was a Thank very you. long intro, Ruth, but the, you do so many things. It's rather difficult to squeeze it all in. Um, so so if we can, let's talk about the I am essential uh, campaign. Um, what did you think when you were approached about being uh, um, sort of uh, identified as, as an essential employee in this campaign? Um,
2: I have to stop and, and just pause a little bit. It was. I was quite surprised in the sense that, you know, I'm not much of an individual that likes to be on camera um, and videotaped. You know, I had to prepare myself a day before. I'm like, okay, Ruth, you can do this. Um, I remember speaking to my supervisor and she's like, Ruth, you can do this. You'll be just fine. But it, to me, it's, it, it was a privilege, um, basically. been working with BMC for some time. Um, I believe it's coming up probably eight years. I'm... One of the employees that had left after you know giving birth to my second son and returned, and the reason I returned it was it was an environment where I've often say about you know Bamsy is like the teamwork and the camaraderie among um, staff was great, and being a mother of you know three children, um, I needed the flexibility, and Bamsy offered that. Mm-hmm. So doing this, the video for, I am an essential um, employee for Bamsey, it was my opportunity to give back to what they've been giving me over the years as an employee. Um, it was interesting. I did it, you know, um, was a bit nerve wracking, but I did it. And I, it was also, uh, eye waking that, you know, I pushed myself, <laughs> you know, so, uh, out of my comfort zone, one would say, um, in doing this video. And hearing back from others who said, wow, Ruth, you know, it was great, you know, and all my family members saying to me that, you know, now you're an essential, you know, I am an essential employee. (laughs) They're always emphasizing that. But it was a great honor just doing this, giving back to Bamsey what Bamsey have given me throughout the years as an employee. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I wanted to touch on that a little bit in that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's... It's so important, I think, for us as an organization too, to to highlight the people that have done the work and kept things running throughout the course of what's been a very challenging time period. And you know, to to you, do you do you feel that there's been enough focus, not in our organization, but kind of across the board, on the essential worker, whether it's you know heroes' pay, whether it's um, you know just a, a discussion where you've been you know the front line. If this is a war, I mean. You have been the frontline fighters in this war. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, I do believe, especially with BAMC. I I believe my agency, like in work and speaking to other friends and family members, BAMC did did an exceptional job. I have to say that, Peter, um, in the sense that you made us inclusive in in the process, like making sure all the essential employees are heard. When we have our online, you know, discussion on through Zoom, the meeting, you know, being to go meetings, um, you've allowed us to speak our, you know, our feelings, how, it, how are we, you know, dealing through this COVID crisis um, as a staff and, and, you know, personally too, because oftentimes I, I know I am a clinician, but also in my personal life, I'm also a mother mm-hmm. <laughs> and having to deal with this crisis. Mm-hmm. So BMC has offered that arena. It has given that platform for us to be able to share our experience and as an essential employer, um worker i feel that you know yes it, it's 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 been a struggle i have to say you know denying that struggle would be you know would would be really um foolish of me to deny that um it has been a struggle but what made made it easier for me um and maybe for many others who stuck who stuck to this You know, throughout the COVID crisis, you know, being there, consistently working, helping families and young people, is that we had also the support. I must say, I always had my support of my supervisor. I could always reach out to her, and she always able to listen to my feelings. Like, you know, she validated, you know, how are you feeling, Ruth? You know, having coming back in the office, are you okay with that? Like, there was never, like, a main, where she dismissed, me in any fashion about how I'm feeling, whether I'm okay being in the office, whether continuing my work and working with families. She's always done the, the check-in during our supervision.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. And it was funny when you mentioned, you know, the mother of three small children, I, I, I sort of put that in the cupboard for a minute, but you mentioned it. I, you know, we've been asking people on this show a lot about how, how is that, you know, how, how has that balance been? Um, of making sure that, you know, your children are getting what they need, making sure that you're a classroom teacher, which I don't think you ever signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, how have you managed that? Because uh, I can only imagine how difficult that has been.
2: It's been quite challenging. Uh, it has been. The fortunate, the fortunate thing for me, I have two adolescent boys, who are you know, at their age, they really quite self-sufficient and since of getting ready, you know, I just go in their room, wake up, it's time, they get ready, they're right on board online doing their remote learning. My younger son, who's about going to be nine on Sunday, he was a bit more of a challenge, you know, needing that support there, um, which my husband played a tremendous role in that because I'm like, I can't be there, but you need to help them. But whenever I, possible for myself, whether it's my lunchtime, I check in with them. How are you doing? Are you doing your work? But, you know, I think one of the, the toughest things was, like, I'm doing my work, and I know it's a school job. It's the multiple, um, I think all all parents could testify to this, multiple emails, like, Lynn, you're being informed, or oh, you're sending not. you know, check in this morning, you know, it was not on that. So I've been able to balance that, not only with the support of my family and friends, of course, but I've taken the, how would I put it? I've taken this, not role, but I've taken this um, determination last year to do more of the self-care, which I've promoted to all my families I work with even the young youth I work with, like, what are you doing for yourself during this the, this um, uh, uh, pandemic? What are you doing? And oftentimes I find that they've stopped not doing anything that they used to enjoy. And I explore with them, okay, what can you do at this time, you know, um, to help you to deal with this stress, um, especially with parents who have, who, who are the teachers. Fortunately for me, I'm not, my husband is a teacher <laughs> doing this, but, they would express to me to say really sometimes just like one well, just run away. I need to sign up for this, you know, <laughs> but I, you know, I encouraged them. I said, you know, I know it's not easy. I validated them. I said, you know, I know this is not easy. You have, you did not um, choose to um, take on this role, but you have, which is, which is great. Mm. So I've encouraged them to look at other things, um, um, other things as far as um, their interests. Yeah. what other things you've done in the past or you may cannot do now but things you can look into so one of the things i do um, emphasize is that the self-care could be basically like i told one parent going on getting some coffee just yourself alone
1: yeah i think it's so important and yeah. you know i know that on this call chris chris ryan is in the same in the same boat and we you know you've talked a lot about that chris as well how you how you make that balance um, you know, and 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 how you how you have to take on these new skill sets.
0: Yeah, it's just being a parent is hard. Like it, it's it's hard, and you know, trying to balance the work and the pandemic and the kids' activities and figuring out your your role as a parent. It, it's hard, and you know, all the things that used to you couldn't figure out as a kid about your parents, you figure out when you get older. Like it's, it's, it's one of those circle of life type of, of things. And I have like so much more respect for, for my parents now than I did when I was, uh, you know, uh, growing up and particularly, you know, for, um, for working families, it's, it is so hard to balance all those things. And, you know, COVID has, as Ruth is mentioning, is kind of given an environment where you can do self-care and you can kind of do things differently and say, no, my kid needs me right now, so I'm going to step off this Zoom call. And um, I think that a lot of the protocols around that have kind of been broken down. But I want to get a little bit into Ruth's work, um, because yeah. to me, I think it's it's fascinating and um, it must be tremendously rewarding for you, Ruth, to to work with um, with kids and see you know the results that you have as a as a clinician and opening up their eyes to um, to, to the world around them and figuring out you know their role within the world.
2: It is it is rewarding um, in a sense that you know despite the frustration that oftentimes is you know expressed by the parents. And being home all day, the limitations. I've been able to um, explore other things with them, and they're the openness with me. You know, oftentimes it's so funny the things that they share, and I have to you know bring them back because it's been like you're sheltered. You're in some way you're isolated because many of them had shared with me not being able to see family members. You know, um, and they miss that, and I know some have lost loved ones through this, um, the, the, this COVID-19. And it's been a challenge in that aspect. I think me being able to hear and listen and validate their feelings and just being able to, to understand that, you know, you're not alone in this, what's going on currently. And that um, there's ways of of managing the stress that you're feeling. You know, I think one of the things that a friend of mine shared with me about COVID that has, that, you know, one could say is a blessing is that it pushes us to spend more time with our loved ones, where oftentimes work has always, you know, taken you away from that, always in a rush. It pushes you just to sit, spend time with your family, and not do that rushing process you do every morning to go to work. Yeah.
1: I think that's that's true. But, you know, just coming back to that, Ruth, I was thinking, you know, it was 2004 that the original uh, Rosie D lawsuit was filed. And and the lawsuit really said, you know, the state of Massachusetts don't have enough community based services. You could you're either, you know, you're either getting one to one therapy or family therapy or you're in the hospital kind of thing. And they said that too many kids were spending too much time in in the uh, in, uh inpatient hospitals and in group homes, residentials. And I think, you know, it's, it's a quiet miracle in some ways because mm-hmm. I was around before 2004 and the breadth mm-hmm. of services in this state is just extraordinary now. And when I think about, let's talk about um, uh, first, about Family First, because there's so much more than just the therapeutic intervention. There's yes. so much more than the validation, which of course is massively important. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you play this role, which is, bringing things together which is tying people to the assistance that they need it is making sure that kids are involved in like youth advisory groups so that they have a voice um, mm-hmm. you know and it's skill building and it's looking at careers and, and 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 it's giving parents the the confidence that they need to manage the behaviors that they're confronted with mm-hmm. that is so different from the old idea of sending your kid in for a 45 minute session yep. to, I rem, I'll never, because I, when I was a child uh, clinician that a million years ago, the, the parents would often bring the child and say, fix the child and send them back to me. This is a mm-hmm. totally different way of looking at it, right?
2: It is, it is when you say that. I, I think this CBHI services has given the opportunity for youth voice. I see it as youth voice. Oftentimes, you, I agree with you, it was like the individual, you have family therapy, but now with CBHI uh, services, the youth is able to have for themselves a therapeutic mentor, a mentor where they can, can oftentimes relate to and also allow them to, to um, be more exposed in their community. Where oftentimes, you know, parents do their best like any other parents, getting your kids out, doing things. But there are some parents who are limited in that aspect, in the sense being a single parent mm-hmm. or not having the means of economically, you know, to pay for certain things. But having a CBHI, having that therapeutic mentor, it's been a relief for a lot of parents who have shared with me. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, being a single parent, I have to take care their other siblings, having that mentor take them out weekly and work on these skills, building the social skills or having um, him built or her built on, you know, some um, independent skills, talking to them. I remember one situation a parent had shared that um, the mentor has been a great support in the sense that the mentor, everything that, you know, they share briefly before meeting up with the, the youth, how things are going for the week, how things are going for the youth. And the parent was sharing that, you know, he's having a little bit of difficulty, you know, not following through with the rules. And the mentor was able to address that separately and say to him, hey, man, you know, what's going on? You know, I thought things were going well. You know, you, we talked about this. And he was, the youth was able to listen. To the the mentor, whereas you know, often with kids with their parents, yeah, 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 you know, they do the yeah, 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 yes, and walk yeah. away. But he was able to listen to his mentor and begin to work on these skills and begin to say, okay, I'm working on it. And there, it's like a, a connection that a lot of the youth do not have, for many of them did not have, and having that mentor there. There's also the um, one of the things that I think is great is having a um, parent support having that parent support within the family first we have that that parent that support the parent because oftentimes time i i find that many parents feel you know alone and they need someone that has gone through the process although i you know i shared my experience but it's quite different it's more like it quite intimate in the sense that this person i'm working with yes the professional person but they've gone through it mm-hmm. and they survived it mm-hmm. And this person is guiding them through the process. Um, The other thing that I found really, that's really quite unique is having another, what they call a peer um, mentor, who is a youth who has successfully made it through. In a sense, like, you know, they're not like, you know, I would not say like, you know, they're not dealing with some of their, you know, symptoms at times or some anxiety at times, but they've able to manage them and stick to their treatment and be successful human beings, holding a job, own their own place to live. And I think that's really essential when you're dealing with um, transitional youth and young adults to see that, like, oh, so-and-so made it. You know, they went to college, they're working, yet, you know, they struggled early on with their mental health, but now they're on track. I can do this also.
0: How does the... African American community, in your view, view a lot of these services. Is there is there a skepticism at times in, in regards to you know, when services are presented, and how important is that, that peer aspect as well, where you know, you it's not you know someone talking at you, but it's somebody mm-hmm. talking with you and supporting with you. you.
2: Yep. I, I think you know one of the things that when I used to work with CSA, which was really nice, ni- nice thing that. Um, the administrative that did that was great is that they try to identify uh, intensive care coordinator with someone culturally, like, you know, could relate and help them and support them. With the African-American I've, I've dealt with, there's sometimes the sexism, excuse me, the, you know, reservation of them um, not wanting the whole piece about mental health. But I've always said you meet the family where they're at. I've always tried to explore that with them. Like, you know, what's your feeling? What was your experience? And oftentimes, like, you know, um, what Peter said, like they weren't listened to, they weren't heard. Their, um, their, their feelings were not hurting. They felt like the person's coming here. One of the things that one parent said, oh, you're here to take my kid away. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes stated, or you, or you don't understand what I've gone through.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I validate, I said, you're right. I don't know. I haven't walked in your shoe. So help me understand, you know, tell me what you've gone through and how can we help you, you know, through this process of helping your, your, um, your youth, you know, to be productive and for you to feel less stress about your child's, you know, whereabouts or how um, to manage his mental health.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think the other thing, Ruth, is and, and actually, if we could just take a pause for a second. CBHI that you mentioned before is the Children's Behavioral Health Initiative, which yes. is the lawsuit that we talked about with Rosie, Rosie mm-hmm. D. And CSA is the Children's Services Agency. Agency, which, yes. Yeah, which came out of the of Rosie D. As well. Just Rosie just D. Yes. Yeah, but I think you know my memory of uh, of of working in the office and in homes. It's such a different. Uh, experience isn't it because if you're actually working in people's homes you get much more of the story of what the challenges Mm -hmm. are of what the uh, you know of what the socio-economic issues um, and uh, it really is another assessment piece that that is missing if you're just seeing people in the office right it
2: it is I agree with you I completely because i You know, oftentimes what I try to do, which is sometimes quite challenging when I'm um, family work, I want to see everyone. I'm like, can I see your face? Like, I'm like, they're like, well, we're using mom's phone. I'm like, but I need to see your face because there's some things I'm missing. And oftentimes I am. So I have to do a lot of pausing and looking in the environment. I said, what am I missing? Like the body language. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to monitor that, the body language and what, what being whispered that I cannot hear clearly. Mm-hmm. So I often stop and say, you know, is something that you want to share? You know, what's going on while you're lying down? You know, how about sitting up? I can see your face. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a challenge, but it doesn't stop me from doing what I have to do. I just have to be more mindful and more observant. I find myself being more observant in my environment, what's going on in the environment and reading more body language with with individuals, and oftentimes it's it's working. I have to say it's working because the parents have been more. Um, I feel that the success of a lot of my family work is the parents' presence. Yeah, yeah definitely. With the youth, oftentimes you know they they don't like the camera. <laughs> they don't like being on video. So I do sometimes the FaceTime or uh, we do the chat on the phone. Or the Texan, but I I feel like when the parent is present, there's there is the opportunity to see the entire family and, and see what's going on in the environment.
0: Well, yeah. Ruth, okay. we really appreciate your time. Um, appreciate you being the face of uh, our I Am Essential campaign this round yeah. um, and. Your story is one that really hits home with a lot of individuals. Um, it's It's been hard uh, in the COVID-19 environment. It's been hard to balance work and family. And uh, you've done a really good job of that. And uh, we appreciate you uh, joining us here on the podcast.
2: Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it. All right, thanks thanks Benton, so much for joining
0: day. us here have on been. the Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Ryan for Peter Evers. Have mm-hmm. a great rest of the day, everybody.